Magnificent morning, folks. This is Jay Jameson with Her Story Podcast. Her is an acronym for heroic, empowering, and resilient. And we are a self-improvement, self-acceptance, and woman empowerment podcast. The main purpose is to encourage, empower, and motivate all women by highlighting their personal stories of triumph over adversities. Each of us has a story. We have all had a season in our lives when we were afraid, we hit a rough patch or downward spiral. Maybe it was an illness, a financial burden, a dead-end job, just unforeseen circumstances, and we may have felt isolated or alone. But because you may feel like you reach rock bottom, that doesn't mean that it's the end of your story. It's within the darkest nights, we produce the brightest stars. There are women out there who have gone through the very same barriers you're facing, but they didn't give up. In fact, they use their difficulties to mold them into strong and resilient women. And if they can break through their hardships, so can you. You are her, heroic, empowering, and resilient. Okay, so today is episode four. And if you have been an, a listener for the past few weeks, I would like to personally thank you so much for your support. Today's topic is highly educated and unemployed. This is a grave issue in society today, especially with us millennials. We were taught to go to school, go to college, and we'll walk into this amazing, magnificent, awesome job and make six figures. That's not reality. The reality is the unemployment rate is super high. The work experience required is five plus years right out of college, and the pay scale is almost insulting. What do you do? You go to school for years, you intern, you network, you work hard, only to be let down and told that you don't have enough experience or even in some circumstances that you're overqualified. What happens if you go back to school and receive your master's or doctoral degree? Does your job search and quality of life improve then? The conventional wisdom that more education bears fruit in labor market gets turned on its head when it comes to unemployment. For people with master's and even doctoral degrees, long-term unemployment is especially insidious. In the state of Louisiana, a recent study showed that in March of 2018, just a few months ago, the number of unemployment has grown by 2,795. I know it was a lot of information, but as we soak in all of that, I want to introduce our super special guest. I have with me here, Miss Trachelle McCoy. Trachelle is a Baton Rouge native, a Southern University alumni, a Beta Psi alumni. Hey, line sister. You can say hey, Trachelle. Hey. <laughs> Trachelle, I want you to give this time to tell our listeners a little about yourself. Okay, well, like you said, I'm a Baton Rouge native, born and raised. Um, I have my bachelor's in biology and my master's in public health, and just have spent, I guess, the last four years working with nonprofits, um, volunteering, and also just um, being a public health professional and just trying to see how we can improve the health of our community here in Baton Rouge. And that's really what it's all about. Um, I really like surrounding myself with like-minded individuals and people who really like to impact others and help others and um, walk into their purpose by doing so. So with that being said, Trachelle, I really want to get into your story. <clears throat> As I previously mentioned, our topic is highly educated and unemployed. So um, 
you received your bachelor's from Southern University what, in biology or chemistry? Right, biology. biology. Okay. So as the years went on, um, what did you do as far as, I guess, furthering your education? Right. So I graduated with a biology degree, which, you know, you would think immediately you could get maybe a job as a lab tech, you know, work for a plant or for a hospital. Um, So I hit the ground running with that initially um, because I hadn't made plans yet to, you know, uh, go to med school or, you know, further it. further my education. So when that didn't work out, of course, uh, my parents kind of pressed me, especially my father. He said, you know, Trey, this isn't working. So go back, go school. back to school. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, cool. Cause I'm good at school. That's something mm-hmm. I'm great at. I'm a learner. You know, I've never been a bad student. And so I was like, all right. So went through and decided to go get my master's in public health. It was a great fit. Um, because it was still, um, associated with helping people. Community health is a lot of the things that we study, population health. And so I did that for two years and got my master's in December of 2014. Mm -hmm. So um, I spent some more time actually unemployed. Six months it took me to get hired somewhere. And so in the meantime, I ended up, um, I mean, I put in applications morning, noon, and night. And then um, when I moved back to Baton Rouge while I was doing that, I decided, well, why don't I try and volunteer for some of the organizations that I see myself wanting to work for? And that's how I landed my first job Mm -hmm. was um, just volunteering with a nonprofit here in Baton Rouge that was doing a lot of great work in the community. And they saw that I had, you know, a lot of educational background and some experience. And so... Immediately, I had a couple interviews, and it turned into a job. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. But um, going back to that first period when it was six months when you were unemployed, I know you received your master's in Texas. Mm-hmm. So was it a thought for you to stay in Texas, or did you immediately want to lo- relocate to Baton Rouge, or was it a factor that because I, you know, it's six months out, I might as well just move back home. Like, what was your thought process that first time? So, um, initially, of course, before I graduated, I was already putting in applications. Um, I was putting in applications for jobs as well as fellowships, which is, you know, basically um, like an internship, mm-hmm. but it's adult like intern. Adult, yeah, intern, you know. <laughs> so, um, I tried a lot of those avenues and my parents were helping me throughout getting my master's and I decided that it would be better for me just to move home and do the same amount of looking for a job instead of, you know, creating bills in Texas. I could just move back home and it would be less of a financial burden. Um, And so what was going through my mind was this was supposed to be easier the second time around Mm -hmm. and it wasn't. Um, And not only was I having a hard time with um, getting a job, um, but it was just difficult all around because I kind of felt like I was reverting back. I had already spent undergrad living at home, and so when I thought when I moved to Texas and you know got my master's that that would kind of be it that I would kind of stay in Texas for a while, mm-hmm. but um, the jobs just weren't coming through, and so I just said, well, you know, God wants me to you know return home and maybe redirect my focus there and so that's just what I did um but it wasn't easy because I kind of felt like well here I am with two degrees now and 
I'm still in the same predicament, you know? As before. Yeah. Yeah. And I understand that can be really difficult. That was actually a thought process that I went through just maybe last week (laughs) about moving in with my parents. Like, should I move in with them to save money, the money that I'm putting towards rent? Could that be used for a down payment for a home? Mm -hmm. You know, we often backtrack. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think within that, it's good to focus on what's the you know the best outcome for ourselves right um because we we look at what society is going to say what others are going to say Mm -hmm. so often we you're in different scenarios like for instance homecoming what are you doing where do you live Mm -hmm. do you have your house Mm -hmm. what kind of car do you drive you know we put focus on material gains and titles and things of that nature but we have to look back at self and reflect self and what's best for us right um so moving on into that Degree number two took a few months for you to land a job, but you used the opportunities of what you had and your networking capabilities to land you a job the second time. So where did you get employed and what did you love about this um, job after you received your master's? Okay, so um, I landed a job with a nonprofit here in Baton Rouge that focuses on um, services for those who have been uh, diagnosed with HIV and AIDS. Um, primarily that's what they were, um, founded on. And so they had expanded into a clinic that was providing, um, not just, you know, treatment and management of their HIV, but also just their primary health altogether. Um, so I became, um, employed there and I stayed there for about two and two and a half, two years and a couple months, Yeah, Mm -hmm. two years and a couple months. And um, what I did love about working with the organization was they allowed me to explore and work in different realms that most people fresh out of grad school wouldn't have been able to do. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of that would have taken years of experience. And so um, and so it was just a a great opportunity to work with people who... um, who really needed our help, you know, people who were unemployed or uninsured um, or, or had no insurance at all. And so just working with that organization, the doctors and the dentists and just people who were just really trying to um, provide care for people who otherwise couldn't get it anywhere else. Really make a mark on society. Yeah. So your job really, it made a difference. It did. You know it, made it made such made an impact. Mm-hmm. So things are going great. You're there for two years. You feel as though, you know, not so much as you're comfortable with yourself, but, you know, you can feel comfortable with your job and where you're going right then and there. Um, Was it with this job that you got fired or it was another job? Like, how did that happen? Right. So like I said, I worked there for about two years and about maybe three to four months. And Mm -hmm. actually it was January 2nd. Mm-hmm. The very first day back at work in the new year that I was let go wow. at this job. And um, I can't say I was 100% like just unprepared and like unaware that that was a possibility at this particular place because we did have turnover. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did feel in a sense a little bit that my job was a bit more secure than others. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I was shocked. Right. You know, absolutely shocked when in kind of just really unprepared 
I mean, I had worked the whole day, the entire day, and it was like 4 p.m. And they were like, can we see you in the office? Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, maybe we're going to talk about what's going on for the rest of the year or just catch up on what, you know, what we accomplished that day. We were kind of, you know, closing out some of the business from the previous year. And they were like, um, so today's going to be your last day. Mm-hmm. And we are dissolving your position. And um, we're just going a different direction. Yeah. And so immediately I was like, so you want me to come back tomorrow? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Because mentally Mm -hmm. I could not process what in the world was happening. I was just like. Because they didn't say you're fired. They used just a little fancy lingo. We're dissolving your position. We're dissolving your position. And I'm Uh like, what does that mean? So like you're giving me a new title. Right. Or, uh, you know, raise. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And it was, it was foreign to me because I was just like no way this is happening to me. Right. You know, like, there's no way that this is happening to me right now because I worked so hard to get to the place where I felt like I had some financial security, where I just kind of stepped out on faith and bought a condo, bought a car, and I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh, no, like, where's the check coming from? Mm -hmm. And really and truly, the whole time I was sitting there and then, you know, they were talking, it kind of felt like an out-of-body experience. Um because um, what what the HR said to me was uh, unemployment is six months. Yeah. And I was just like, what am I supposed to do with that information? Right. You know, like, mm-hmm. what am I supposed to do with that? And how, how is that supposed to help me mm-hmm. pay my bills or, you know, right. keep, keep the roof that I just got, you know, over my head. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So um, I'll say with that, with you starting the new year, this is 2018, right? So you said that you kind of somewhat thought that it was going to happen, but mm-hmm. reality hadn't really set in. Or even like when you begin the new year, you set these new goals, these new tasks, you have different things that you plan to do and mm-hmm. accomplish throughout the year. So with you saying, um, or with them telling you that your position is now dissolved, soaking all of that in what was your thought process when you got home like did you initially think that I'm gonna lose everything that I have and I have to move in with my parents or did you think like I have to find some type of way to work through this um I don't have the funds right now did you have a savings you know did you have some type of financial advisor like where did you go to plan out this is what's happening now how can I deal with it in this moment Right. So, um, like I said, I wasn't totally shocked. Like I did have like an inclination that it could happen. So I wasn't idle, you know, in the year prior to even a couple of months before I was doing interviews for jobs Okay, and I was, you know, Mm -hmm. looking for, you know, other avenues for income. It just wasn't the salary that I needed in order to sustain my household. Mm -hmm. And so in that sense, I kept looking, but once I got home that night, um, I sat with my boyfriend and he was like, it's fine. You know, we're going to keep moving. You were already looking for a job and this is just a better opportunity for you to just put all your efforts into doing that. Right. Um, and I had been talking to my parents actually too, um, like November, December of the year before. And I was calling them almost every day after work because work was extremely stressful at that point. And I just kind of felt like something was in the air. Mm-hmm. And so they were already kind of privy, uh, privy, excuse me, that um, that I would, might need them in assistance in the future. But 
Um, one thing I did have was not much savings. I will not lie about that. I had pretty much exhausted most of my savings into my home, furnishing it. Um, of course, the housewarming that I had and... 2018 was my savings year. I was yeah. like, you know, I hadn't <laughs> even got, going to save. Yeah, I didn't even have the first check and I already mm-hmm. had planned out how much I was putting away each month because this year I was really going to be able to save. And any person that knows that when you buy a piece of property, it truly is an investment. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't put a big percentage down. You know, I had a first home buyer's loan and everything. And so, but in, in the same sense, there's unforeseen things that, you know, that you have to invest into your home. So, what's the question again? <laughs> <laughs> it was just your your thought process, you know, that I first initial focused. thought process when you got home from you being fired okay. and you having to connect to your family. Right. So, huh? um, also, not to cut you off, mm-hmm. but... How did you deliver that message to your mom and dad? I know you said that you had previously talked to them and kind of, you know, leveled them up to it, that it would happen. Mm -hmm. But no matter how much we prepare ourselves, sometimes there's still that feeling of disappointment Mm -hmm. or, you know, like we just disappointed our family. Right. Um, us being African Americans, being black women, a lot of times we're first generations to go to college and you're like, the child that's going to be somebody mm-hmm. to make something of yourself. <laughs> so when something like this happens, were they um, accepting of it or were they more so like disappointed? Like, okay, you're at this certain age. I shouldn't be having to support you or mm-hmm. were they were like, we're here, we're family. Right. So they were definitely super supportive and uh, just reminded me of the struggles that they had when they were coming up, you mm-hmm. know, as single, black, um, sorry, not single, but as young black parents um, and having children and raising a family and everything wasn't always, you know, just a cakewalk for them. You know, right. both of my parents had went through unemployment periods um, while having a family. So I couldn't even imagine the pressure. But when I did, when I told them, they were so supportive. Um, my dad came to visit me that night, and he was like, you know, you aren't going to lose anything. We got you. Mm-hmm. And um, But back to what you were saying about the feeling of disappointment, it was more with myself. Yeah. I was so hard on myself because I felt like my family had done so much, you know, supporting from undergrad, you know, the cars, and then with grad school, the rent, you know, just, just supportive in every sense and seeing me make it Mm -hmm. and then I finally thought I'd made it and um you kind of had to backtrack I had to backtrack and it it broke my heart to have to say like okay I have a little money and this could probably get me through for like the next three months but Mm -hmm. if I go unemployed any longer than that like I'm gonna need your help yeah or going through the mindset of okay maybe I need to just pack my stuff up out of my newly purchased condo, mm-hmm. move back home and just rent this place out. So at least it's not a burden on anyone to have to pay the mortgage. We could at least rent it. And, um, you know, my parents were just super supportive and my, my siblings as well. My two older brothers, um, grandmother, I mean, every, everyone. So just, you had the, the, yeah, uh, I had the support system support of your entire family and, it was beautiful to have that and such a blessing, but it hurt me so bad that I had to, you know, yeah, to rely self-pride. on them. Yeah. yeah. And that's a, a perfect segue to the, the question I'm about to ask <laughs> you. Um, so 
with that being said, so you did have, I guess, a feeling of like being inferior and worthlessness yeah, and a thought of your education. Did you at one point, let's say maybe those first three to four weeks of you being unemployed, thoughts of your education being a waste or, you know, you went into biology. It was something that I'm assuming that interests you, but did you ever think, dang like should I have chosen a different major did I is this really my purpose you know what was your thoughts on that right I did feel like education was in a sense a waste Mm -hmm. because you know like you said as black people and as black women we pride ourselves so much on being educated right you know especially in this in this day and age like that's what we that's our gateway to freedom, basically, our gateway to the workplace. That's our pathway to having some sort of financial freedom. That's our pathway to having a career mm-hmm. and just having a better overall life. We, you know, when you just, just think about historically what education means for black people, mm-hmm. you know, you ask someone now and they tell you they aren't going to college, you look at them crazy. Right. Because, you know, we didn't always, we have, didn't always the have the opportunity. Mm-hmm. But in the same breath, I'm like, I got all all these degrees and like Kanye, <laughs> all these degrees and they, you know, right. they're just paper. Right. Because nothing's- diplomas on the wall. Just diplomas on the wall. Mm-hmm. Nothing's getting me through the door. I'm doing interviews. I'm doing well on the interviews. I feel confident. And, you know, none of that could protect me from, you know, having my position dissolved. Right. It just felt like, well, what was it all for? Right. You know, what was the sacrificing and, you know, skipping some of the parties, <laughs> not <Yeah>. all the parties, <laughs> skipping some of the parties and, you know, you know, locking myself in my apartment, you know, in College Station and studying so I could turn around and, you know, be on food stamps. Like, right. what's it and for? I think that's a problem, too. Not a problem, but just with us as millennials, like I previously mentioned in the intro, we're taught you go to school, you're going to graduate, and you're going to get a job. And that's not as easy as it sounds at all. (laughs) And even when we go back and try to get different professional degrees and things of that nature, it's like I'm going to grind it out because I know the end result. You accomplish that end result, and then something unforeseen happens like, you're fired, right? You know, so in your idle time, I know you said previously you were applying to different jobs. So now it, it's basically has sunk in. It's a month, two months. You're not really getting that much responses, or um, you were called in for interviews, but you weren't really getting the positions. You mm-hmm. felt as though you were doing well. Did you go to any networking events, or did you have any previous? Uh, connectors or relationships that you reached out to to try to get other positions right so um immediately what I did besides putting in applications all over the place I did have some resources previous employers um previous um associates and people that I had met throughout my work working with the nonprofit that I reached out to and asked if they knew of any work knew of any jobs available um and then I also had ironically um Someone just reached out to me out the blue and he was looking to help me get a job. And I had I hadn't spoken to this mentor in years, but Mm -hmm. I just felt like it was kind of like God looking out for me. Let me know that people are looking out for you. I'm looking out for you. 
um, because I hadn't spoken to him maybe since about 2011 when I was in D.C. at an internship. Mm -hmm. And he just never forgot about me. And I did appreciate that because um, you can't do it by yourself. You know, sometimes you do have to reach out. Um, So I did networking immediately. Actually, the day after I was fired, I mean, I sent out so many emails to volunteer. I kind of went back to what got me the first job. Right. You know, I just hit the ground running and I hit, I sent out so many emails. I forgot who I had emailed. I had sent so many. So, um, but it was definitely, uh, great that I had people who could network with me. Right. You had people on your team. team, And my, Mm -hmm. even my family was looking, uh, sending me, you know, emails for different Mm -hmm. job fairs. And sometimes they would fall on days where I already had an interview, but I definitely had people looking. And what something is uh, that it's really important that you said you went back to when you volunteer, mm-hmm. volunteering connected you to job opportunities. Mm-hmm. And that's not really something that I always thought about. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're volunteering with these different organizations. You may be introduced to different agencies while you're there. You're volunteering with different people, not really knowing what their titles are. So um, like, listeners if you are listening if you kind of feel like you're at wit's end with trying to find a job and things like that I would think volunteering you know using your time and um making those connections where you're on these different sites to connect Mm -hmm. to people because you never know who can help you and what relationships they have with other people so that's something that's different because I never really thought about that um so Going into utilizing your relationships, what about different state agencies like mm-hmm. Baton Rouge? We have Employ BR. Um, we have like what Louisiana Workforce Commission, different things of that. Did you try to seek out to them? Right. Or? So, um, funny fact is when you do um, want to draw unemployment, uh, it's through Louisiana Workforce. Okay. And mm-hmm. so I'd have to say that was by far the most humbling um, process of being unemployed because I had to, um, they make you attend a few classes where they teach you how to update your resume and, um, things that most people who have a a college degree kind of know how to do already. But I also had to meet with a case manager Oh wow! and we sat and we looked at my resume and she looked at some of the job opportunities that were out there and we just kind of discussed, you know, what process I was going through and in contacting those um, organizations and whatnot. But in order to draw unemployment as well, you have to apply to at least three organizations in order to get the weekly payout. Okay. And um, it's not much money. (laughs) It's $220 or $40 after tax. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, every two weeks, no, a month? it's every week. Uh-huh. Like I said, you do have to put in the three applications. Okay. Um, so you go on their site and you tell them what jobs you apply for. Mm-hmm. Um, which but I'm sure that was a humbling experience because let's take a, a look back like at little jobs like throughout college, you know. Mm-hmm. Within college, we're hustling and bustling to get the paycheck for $230, you know, working mm-hmm. retail and not belittling anyone who is still in retail and, you know, networking to build their way up. But I know just with me in college, um, the reason why I wanted a job I didn't take the jobs in college serious. It was just, I want my independence from my parents. I know mm-hmm. if I want different things, I don't always want to go back to mom and dad. Um, 
because you feel like you're a burden, right. you know, they teach you or they tell you you're not a burden, but still in the back of your head, if you have any type of oomph or bite or grip in you, you know, you want to hustle and you want to acquire your own source of income. Because I know throughout college, I had uh, any job you could name, <laughs> you know, shoe department, uh-huh. Sears, I was your best bedroom, just best hooters girl ever. <laughs> Okay, but it was like having that little sense of financial freedom, trying to get my funds together just to make ends meet. Right. But as you're sitting in those different classes with individuals, did you ever feel, and this is only human, kind of like high and mighty, like I have two degrees, why am I sitting here? You know, like so-and-so barely finished Mm -hmm. high school or they got a GED. I have two degrees. I went out of state to get my second one. One of the best colleges. Mm -hmm. How did I get here? Like, you know, did that, did that even thought even transpire in your head? Absolutely. I definitely thought of it. Um, And the crazy thing was, is the people who also attended that class were educated as well. Oh, wow. And Mm -hmm. it blew my mind because the rates are high, highly you educated know, and unemployed. What you mm-hmm. think, and it's unfortunate that we do think this about our community sometimes, is that, oh, so-and-so is un- unemployment because, you know, they didn't work hard in school or they don't have that degree or, you know, they goofed off in school or they just want to be, you know, doing something else or they're just lazy. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the, that's the stereotype that you think of when you hear someone's unemployment and using food stamps. Right. And that wasn't the case at all. You know, it was so humbling for me because I can't tell you that I wish I could lie and say I never had those thoughts. I have had those thoughts that I got, I have these degrees. I should never have to be on food stamps. Mm -hmm. In fact, (laughs) my mom used to fuss at us because she would tell us in undergrad, like, you know, you qualify. Girl, you should get I this. Tried. As, you they, should get this. Some kind of way I couldn't get them. I don't know why I couldn't get them. But right? I tried in undergrad. But you know, you're you're yeah. extremely prideful mm-hmm. when you're younger because you're like, well, I don't have to, you know, do that. And, right. you know, but to be in a place where it's like, okay, I have to. Mm-hmm. And not just that, but when I did apply for food stamps, um, SNAP benefits, it was like I kind of had to prove that I needed it. Yeah. Even though my bank account looked a certain way, I didn't have any more income coming in. Mm-hmm. And SNAP, what what I was awarded was like $79 oh, wow. a month. A month? A month. Oh, a month. A month. Which, when I tell you, and this is, to me, um, the hardest part of my unemployment and I know people are unemployed much longer. Yeah. And didn't have all the support system I had. And my family sold into my life, you know, before, during, and after, you know. And, and that's not. But when I did get food sometimes, like, my car wouldn't even work. Mm-hmm. And I felt embarrassed. And I was always kind of worried about people judging me in line because I was dressed nicely. And I had a nice car. Mm-hmm. And a nice home to go to, but I had to use food stamps. And I was always concerned that the person behind me would be trying to wonder, like, well, why is she using that? She don't look right. like she need it. Mm-hmm. Or, um, you know, people who are on welfare or whatever. You know, a lot of people, a lot of times we judge them because they look a certain way. We're like, well, their hair is always done and their nails are always done. Right. But you just truly don't know what people's circumstances 
You were afraid that they would think that you're just abusing the system, another statistic. Exactly. I'm like, I'm a black woman. I'm like, my Mm -hmm. hair is done, and you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm getting food, and I'm making the best out of it. But there were a few times where I was just like, well, if I don't use some of this stuff, like, I'm just going to take it back. Mm -hmm. So that way, maybe I could buy more food next month. You know, I really just squid to the last penny everything was calculated i was already calculating everything before i was unemployed i was really like stretching it and um i think we have to be cognizant that everyone is dealt different cards and so don't be so quick to judge people if you see that they are you know receiving aid that's what it's there for that's Mm -hmm. what we're paying into and even that's not truly enough. You know, if someone gets $200 a week, that's $800. Right. Most uh-huh. time rent is about 700 So mm-hmm. I don't, I truly don't know what other people do to sustain themselves if that's their only resource. If they don't have family, if they don't have savings or, you know, some type of severance pay or something, you know, while they're unemployed. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, um, I think your story, like your story is really a humbling, you know, it's a humbling story and it also teaches us, you know, not to judge other people, not to be judgmental just on the outward appearance in which you see and really like just society, you know, society can be hard and on so many different issues Mm -hmm. and it's not until you're in that situation that you really think about these things. And even at that time, you use what you had and you made nothing into something. Like when you said that if you had something left over, maybe I can bring it back and have more money. Like, you know, I never thought about that before. Who thinks about that? You know, like with groceries oh, and I things would never, like that. Yeah, right. Before I would, you know, I not even just groceries, clothes. I would mm-hmm. be like, I'm not taking that back. I don't have to take that back. I'll right. just hold on to it. Mm-hmm. Even if I have no plans to wear it, even if. You know, I might have overpurchased something. I'm like, oh, well, you know, how often do we throw food away, mm-hmm. you know, that we didn't eat? That, right. Yeah, that's the truth. Yeah. So how many months were you actually unemployed? I was actually only unemployed for three months. Mm-hmm. I started working in April of yeah. this year. And um, like I said, I know people are unemployed for much longer, but it felt so long, but in the same breath. Um, like you said, a humbling experience. I had done, like, in my head, all the right steps. You mm-hmm. know, went and got my bachelor's, my master's, didn't goof off, um, worked really hard at my job, sacrificed a lot at my job. And it was just that for them. It was just a job. Yeah. You know, it, was, it wasn't, not, I don't want to assume, but it didn't feel like it was hard for them to let me go. Mm-hmm. And I decided um, that I had to put something into myself, that I had to look out for myself more. Right. A lot of times we overwork ourselves. We know we're afraid to take off because we don't want to seem like we're lazy or, you Mm -hmm. know, not really at work or um, like they call black tax, you know, working twice as hard, staying late, coming in on the weekend, Um, doing all that and not investing in yourself is is. Just like the worst thing you could do. You have to put something back into yourself. Most definitely. And especially when you look at it 
you can be here today and going tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You know, if your position is there, they can wipe it out. Oh, yeah. And they can replace you replace quickly. You immediately. You know, so self-care is important. And another thing, investing in yourself is also important. And I think also utilizing every opportunity. Mm-hmm. So, guys, if you are listening right now, I'm with Miss Trachelle McCoy. And she went through her experiences of being unemployed and just having to put her pride aside and take advantage of different systems and different things that are offered through her, you know, through the state and different state agencies outside of her education and putting in hard work and sticking to the books, you know, turmoil kind of set in and it threw a roller coaster, you know, for your life. But, um, within your story too, what is also important that you did not give up within that process because, who says that if you would have like just given up right before the brink of someone calling you and saying, Hey, I have this job or I have this opportunity for you. And, um, I think it's really important to just with just this generation to look at this story. We want things to happen instantly. Mm -hmm. We want things to happen instantly or we're constantly complaining about what we have right now at this moment. For one, I think it's important to be grateful if you have a job and you're not in the position where you want to be. You can always want more and constantly apply. I, I constantly apply for jobs. I constantly look for different areas where I can grow and take up as much resources as possible. And I'm still hoping for that to happen and I have not given up on that. But within my um, process of that, I'm grateful that I have this job and this opportunity and I'm going to milk it and use it, you know, to my advantage and, um, you know, soak in everything that you can so that it will benefit you in the future. You know, um, it may not look like what you learned and all the skills and things that you've, you know, obtained within the years is suiting you right now but god has a purpose for it most definitely Mm -hmm. and going back to with him having a purpose sometimes things are a blessing in disguise Mm -hmm. because you don't know what could have happened if you have stayed with that agency you know a lot of times nonprofits and other organizations get audited you could have been in a world of trouble and not even known it you know (laughs) that's funny that you even went into that because this organization is all in the news right now i mean Mm -hmm. articles and auditing and all that so it really was a blessing in disguise that um i was let go when i was right Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was definitely a blessing. And it gave me an opportunity to refocus on things that I love to do. Right. Um, places that I want to go um, in ways that I want to grow professionally, just as an individual. Sometimes you can't just sit around and wait for your company to do stuff for you or wait for your company to throw you an opportunity. Make your Create own opportunity. Yes, if it's not yes. there, like mm-hmm. make a way. I volunteered with so many organizations. If it was an, even an event that I wanted to go to, I was like, I wonder if I could volunteer for the event so I don't have to pay to get in. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I was making it work. Uh-huh. And I didn't realize I had that hustle in me. Right. Sometimes mm-hmm. you have to be reminded, like you have hustle. And also be reminded that if God got you the first job, if God blessed you with, you know, stability, a stable home, a car, the ability to, you know, breathe air you still have your sound mind 
Um, it's all a blessing. It's all a blessing, and he will provide another opportunity. Most definitely. And also, I think that when you're un- uncomfortable, that adds fuel to your mm-hmm. motivation. You know, if we're always comfortable and we get what we instantly want, you're not going to have any motives behind it or to work hard. You know, you're just going to always use that excuse, I'm mm-hmm. good. I'm here for now, yeah, yeah. you know, but like you said, that gave you the hustle and the grit to keep going and mm-hmm. to not give up. And of course, we all know that with us being educated black women, just being black women in general, just being a woman in mm-hmm. general, I think all women were so invincible and we make a way, you know, yeah. we make a way um, even with being single mothers or just being in different situations, a lot of women with children, they will provide and, you know, just do what they can for their family and their children and just for themselves. Right. You know, everyone has a different story, no matter where they come from in life. If you come from a rich family, a poor family, mm-hmm. a broke family, everyone has different barriers and things that they went through and they have their own story and how they made that work. Mm-hmm. So I really commend you for sharing your story because, Within your process, no one close to you really knew you was unemployed. <laughs> you told us after the fact. Right. But, um, you know, you carried yourself with poise and you were determined throughout the end. So that's very, 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 um, you know, commendable. Not really, you know. I think that's awesome, Tracia. Thank you. Thank you, Janae. Um, and so if you guys are listening right now, just in closing, remember that your story is not solely for you. It's meant to be shared with other women and provide hope to those facing similar hurdles. We don't have to be ashamed and we definitely don't have to be afraid to share. No matter what society says or how you think others are going to look at you. Don't be afraid to share. Just reevaluate self and who you are and your passions. I think your passions are really important. And keep in mind that you are a victor, you are a winner, and you will not be defeated. You declare growth and prosperity over your life and troubles do not last always. You are brilliant. You are intelligent. You are her. Heroic, empowering, and resilient. And I'm going to ask just one more favor. If you are listening, if this story has empowered you in any type of way or given you some type of motivation, please share. Tell a sister to tell a sister to tell a brother to tell somebody. Because even though this um, series focuses on women, I'm pretty sure that different men can use different advice and just look at uh, different situations through a woman's perspective. So please share. We are on SoundCloud. Um, we're also on Apple Podcasts. We're on a local media outlet, Be Baton Rouge. So I encourage you to follow them. And um, I'm thinking, oh, and one more, we're on Google Play Music. Um, so that's all we have for you for episode four. Thank you again, Trey Shell. You're so welcome. And we out.